Hey. Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to say a few words regarding the recent actions of Gina Carano on Twitter. For anyone who doesn't know about what happened, a couple of weeks ago, Gina said that she had spoken to her co-star, Pedro Pascal, about why people add their pronouns to either their social media names or bios. She tweeted about it, saying that she wouldn't include her pronouns in her bio, but that she now understands why people do, and that she stands against all forms of bullying. And that seems fine and all, sure. However, the next day, Gina decided to instead include, quote, beep, bop, boop, in lieu of something like, quote, she, her, hers. However funny or trivial this may seem to some people, when it comes down to it, this was making a mockery of the inclusion and normalization of pronouns and is thus transphobic. The ones shrugging this off as a joke are probably not the ones who need to constantly deal with others disrespecting their identity. Trans people have historically been discriminated against and ostracized by society, and making a mockery of including pronouns in one's bio only furthers and encourages transphobia. Now, I'm not saying anyone needs to be forced to include their pronouns, and I do not condone harassment of Gina or anyone who chooses not to include them. That accomplishes nothing and fails to shed light on the core issue at hand, which is showing respect and acceptance to trans people and those who choose to include their pronouns. Even if one chooses not to incorporate them into their bio or name, the most they can do is to be respectful and accepting toward those who do so and the reason why they do. Someone's pronouns are their identity. Therefore, making a mockery of their pronouns is making a mockery of them. I wish Gina had apologized for being insensitive, but she doubled down and instead claimed she was not being transphobic and was just trying to expose trolls, which I don't buy. The best we can do is to listen to marginalized groups, such as trans people, instead of trying to drown out their voices when they're trying to point out a fault in our actions. And here at Outer Rim Reads, we are about inclusivity and acceptance and condemn all forms of hate, especially transphobia. The true Star Wars community is that of love, and it's up to us to call out transphobia where we see it. It's time to listen to trans people, not to belittle them. And we are better than what Gina did. Now, without further ado, here is episode 19 of Outer Rim Reads. Hello there, listeners, and welcome to episode 19 of Outer Rim Reads, a podcast that journeys chapter by chapter through various Star Wars novels across the canon. My name is Andrew Geha, and I'm your host along this journey. In this episode of our interseason break, we will be walking through and discussing the four-issue Star Wars comic Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, and I'm joined today by one of my best pals from a long, long time ago in a galaxy right here, Nigel Right, Nigel, how you doing, man? Thanks for being on the show today. I'm doing pretty good, you know, glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you on for like a long time. It's been the general consensus in my family that you are like the manifestation of Wikipedia in like in person. <laughs> so I've been looking forward to getting you on and just like having you be able to share your 
wealth of Star Wars knowledge <laughs> for a long time. So this, I'm excited. I feel like since you started this podcast, I mean, you might be beating me. I don't know. It's getting it's getting close. <laughs> I have a specific set of Star Wars talents now, specifically Thrawn, and then it'll just it'll expand from there, hopefully. But I'm excited to hear your takes on a really great comic that we've got in front of us. I, I have one of my friends for one of my other birthdays, one of my previous birthdays, was awesome enough to give me the full copy of the four issues. So I just have one book with the four of them compiled together. And I know that you've read a lot of Star Wars comics, maybe the Vader ones. Have you dipped into the Star Wars comic universe a lot? Well, or? So I've been kind of around everywhere. So I actually started with this comic. This was the first one I read. And then from there, okay. I dove into, I think there's two different Vader issues I've gone through. There's a couple that are set in the uh, prequels. There's a Mace Windu comic I read. So I've just kind of jumped around. Haven't really like tried to tackle one whole air or anything like that. A jack of all comic trades. Um, speaking of of where you've jumped around in the Star Wars universe, do you mind giving the listeners an idea of where you stand with Star Wars, how you got into it, your background on the Star Wars universe? So my first intro into Star Wars actually kind of connects with this comic. I was probably three, four, I don't something like that. Um, running around following my brother, and my very first distinct Star Wars memories connected to Phantom Menace, because we had these piggy banks, but they were like uh, Obi Wan, Qui Gon, and Darth Maul, and they had the could, they're battery powered, and when you <laughs> press the button, to connect them, and they'd fight each other, and that's distinctly how much I remember it, because I mean, obviously, in the Phantom Menace, Duel of Fates is by far, in my opinion, the best lightsaber oh, duel. So that's just yes. the moment I think of my first Star Wars memory. That's what it is. But, you know, as you know, I've always loved Star Wars. I'm pretty much on Wikipedia at some point, at least once a week, just going through <laughs> blue, blue Link after Blue Link, you know, just oh, yeah. have an encompassing <laughs> idea of Star Wars. You know, I'm a little bit all over the place. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the best way. You know, you, you know you're, you're covering a whole lot of area. I think there was a, a long time where if there was any kind of question that I had about a character or anything Star Wars related... Just ask Nigel. <laughs> why Why Google when you could just ask Nigel? So <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I always love all the weird background characters that no one really realizes have a background story. And the next thing you know, you find out about Ponda Baba and all this. <laughs> but I, I'm excited to talk about Darth Maul and this story that we've got in front of us. I don't have any kind of summary prepared. We're just going to walk through the the comic, walk through all of the four issues, hopefully seamlessly, and just break it down. So I think let's get right into it. All right. So the comic opens on the planet Stygian. Stygian, Stygian, however it's pronounced, uh, at this secret prison. And Darth Sidious is talking to a, a captured Darth Maul. And I think... This takes place after the duel where Sidious killed Savage and defeated Maul. Am, am I correct with that? I want to say this is the direct connection between that duel and obviously when we'd see Maul again in the newest season of Clone Wars. This is that direct passage that takes us from there to there. Okay, yeah, because the last we saw, he just got owned by Sidious easily and then he just appears again and so this is a good kind of like the connective tissue between I guess those two arcs and seeing how he got to where he is at the Siege of Mandalore arc and so Sidious is kind of taunting Maul and Maul is saying you know you should kill me now while you have the chance something along the along those lines you should kill me now and Sidious says that not to mistake the fact that he allowed Maul to live for compassion 
And so right off the bat, we're given this hint at maybe this greater plan that Sidious has where he let Maul live for a reason. Did that jump out at you? I, I totally was like, oh, wait. I was wondering why he let him live. And now this, this kind of hints at this larger plan, which we know Sidious is great at. And it seems like we're in the thick of another one right here. Yeah, as you said, Sidious, you know, is best known for how good of a long-term planner he is. So he never does any one move without thinking far in advance. So the thought that he allowed Maul to live was very much a big question. Like, all right, what, what's the aim here? What do you gain from Maul being around? And I think as we unravel this, it's actually a pretty massive plan that, involving Maul. It's obviously it's Sidious, so it's always impressive, but... <laughs> Always. Exactly. And he kind of, you know, he ends up leaving the room and Count Dooku joins him and they're walking together. And Sidious tells Dooku that there are other enemies than just the Jedi that have to be destroyed. Specifically, Mother Talzin of Dathomir. And I think the last we heard of Talzin was pretty much when Grievous invaded with his army and just slaughtered the Night Sisters. Had we had any hint that Mother Talzin was still around after that? I haven't rewatched the Clone Wars in a while, so I'm kind of hazy on on that timeline. But this kind of jumped out at me. I, I was kind of surprised to see that Mother Talzin would be playing a role here. Yeah, I think this is the first time we hear a name since Grievous uh, finished the job. So I think it, it, comes, it comes as a surprise to all of us because, you know, we, we we thought we saw her die, but it appears not, at least to Sidious, that way. I mean, he knows all things dark side, so it makes sense that he would know she's around in some form. For sure. And, and I was really struck by the fact that it takes a lot for someone to kind of just appear on Sidious's radar. He's this all-powerful Lord of the Sith. And he is insisting to Dooku that Mother Talzin poses a threat to him and his plans. That says a lot about the capabilities of Mother Talzin. I know that we know that the Night Sisters have this magic that, I don't know its specific relationship to the Force, but we know that they have this great power at their disposal, kind of, and Mother Talzin is the key figure in that power. That's really impressive for Mother Talzin to just the fact that she exists still. And Sidious senses that, and it kind of, I don't know if it makes him afraid, but it takes a lot to kind of appear as a legitimate threat to Darth Sidious. Well, you know, when you think of Sidious and, like, his radar, there's only so many really named figures on it. Obviously Anakin, but, I mean, the Jedi are just seen as one group. He doesn't even, it's not even like, all right, I need to watch out for Mace and Yoda. It's <laughs> the Jedi as a whole Anakin and uh, now Mother Talzin because he doesn't even I don't think he even considers Dooku or Maul as on his radar they're more of pawns in a game so to speak and we'll see a little bit of that later there's a couple of lines that are dropped by Sidious where I was just like Dooku you, can you hear this man but we'll get to that and and Sidious tells Dooku before he leaves the prison that he is intending for Maul to lead them to Talzin so that kind of tells us pretty much why he kept Maul alive is for him to lead them to Mother Talzin. In a new set of panels, we're taken to the other side of the prison, and we see Commander Gar Saxon and Rook Cast, two Mandalorian super commandos, infiltrating the prison to rescue Maul. And so we, we see that these two are showing up to rescue Maul, and we ha we're cut back to Maul and Dooku talking, and Dooku is torturing him a bit with Sith lightning. I was wondering, is this the first time that Maul and Dooku are meeting, or had they encountered before? Because the way that they were exchanging, it seemed like 
this was a novel meeting between a former apprentice and the current one. I do one. think this is the first time they meet. I can't remember a time in Clone Wars with another with Dooku being, you know, everywhere else with the Severus and Maul predominantly being on Mandalore. I want to say, like I said, this is the first time they meet. And it's also the first time we see Sidious, Dooku, and Maul all in the same place. Very true. Very true. <laughs> it's kind of an awkward meeting, you know, where it's like, oh, so you're the... You know, you're the new guy. Yeah, the new guy. All right, okay. This so you replace me with. That's okay. Whatever. I mean, it, like just adding insult to injury, where Maul's already just like captured. He can't. He's just helpless there. Just like, well, feel free to rub it in. Just like showing me your new apprentice. And he actually, I think he called Maul his former apprentice. Just like the emphasis on former. I'm just like, oh, this this is just a. <laughs> if Maul, you know, had some powerful hatred before, it's just his hatred meter is just increasing through the roof now. Well, I mean, especially when you think the last time, so he, Sidious shows up, just handles him. Tells him that there's no such thing as mercy as he just pours Sith lightning into him. And then next thing you know, he's here in prison being taunted by his former master, his replacement. It's not been it's a good not a good days day for Maul. <laughs> not a good couple <laughs> days for Maul at all. But things do start to get better where we get this really cool set of panels where Saxon and Cast are setting off some diversionary explosives at another level of the prison while they attempt to rescue Maul, I think, on the seventh level. And we get this scene in a hallway. We see that Dooku had sent droidicas and B2 super battle droids to guard Maul's cell. And this is a really cool scene where Saxon and Cast throw these kind of small grenades at them into the hallway and then they shoot a rocket at the grenades and this the hallway just explodes in this ball of fire i was like this is a great heist this is a great rescue mission it's it going really well i love that it's just a very action-packed scene and they're just wrecking these droids i thought that was really cool well i think you know when there's a prison break who do you want to get to do it mandalorians <laughs> it's probably the best answer you can give i mean professionals they have the best equipment around. They know what they're doing. I mean, you can't can't go wrong. This was a really good comic for Maul's story, and I think after I read this, I had reached out to you and, you, and you said that this story is why he is one of your favorite characters in Star Wars. I think this is also a really good story for the likes of Gar Saxon, Rook Cast, for the Mandalorian Super Commandos, and we'll see as we continue discussing how capable they are in a fight and you know i'm really looking forward to getting into those scenes but we see a little a little taste of it here where they just you know it doesn't matter if they're commando droids doesn't matter if they're super battle droids droidicas no match for two mandalorians like it's like multiple squads of droids and just two mandalorians are just taking them out i i loved it i loved it not only does this uh comic capability i think it does a, a good job of showing i guess leadership is the right word to go with um especially when maul is not there like there are later moments where Saxon and Cast mm. are kind of in control of a situation with Maul elsewhere that really sells them as the leadership hierarchy in Maul's organization, so to speak. Yeah, well, we definitely see why they, you know, we saw a little little bit of a spotlight on them to uh, more so Gar Saxon in the Siege of Mandalore arc. But we see in this comic why, yeah, exactly like you're saying, why these two are kind of at the top of Maul's band of Mandalorians that are loyal to him. And so they are able to free Maul, and <laughs> Saxon asks if Maul can walk. And Maul says, quote, I have become indifferent to pain. <laughs> and I was like, that's to be expected, sure. But it's just, 
so many people are out there to hurt Maul. He's just like, you know what? It, it just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> he's yeah, He's been through so much. I, there's also a kind of funny moment with that question, though, because Maul has, uh, for the most part, robot legs. So it's kind of a weird, like, <laughs> can you walk? Like, I mean, yeah. But also, Do you yeah, have robot legs? The whole point with him being like, oh, yeah, I'm indifferent to pain now. It's just, ah. It just stings. It just stings. It stings, exactly. It's just, Maul has just been through so much. <laughs> it's just like, man, who, who hurt you? Actually, every, everyone hurt you. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> everyone. And so Cast and Saxon, they uh, zip line out of the prison, and there's this little funny moment where there's a bunch of commando droids looking outside of the hole in the wall that they created to escape, and they're asking, should should we follow them? And there's like a scene that reminded me of the Finding Nemo with the, the seagulls, like, mine, mine, mine. It's like negative, <laughs> negative, negative. <laughs> like, it was just funny. Uh, and then they get lit up by the gauntlet starfighter that they escape in. So it was a, a successful heist for Saxon and Cast, and Maul is on the loose. The uh, Gauntlet Starfighters also have a really good showcase in this comic. Oh, they like, do. Oh, they're you so know, good. I always thought they were a cool ship, but it's, it's so formidable throughout this comic. Exactly. How useful they are. We get a really good look at just the fighting capability of Mandalorians in kind of all facets. In the air, in space, on ground, you know, heisting prisons, why not? It's it's a really good look for their capabilities. Uh, I, I loved it, and I loved how we saw that also in Siege of Mandalore as well. In this next scene, we are in this Separatist fleet, and Grievous and Dooku have tracked Maul to the planet Zanbar and Dooku is sending Grievous to deal with him. And he's telling Grievous not to kill him, but to weaken his forces and to injure his pride. And we know that Maul has a lot of that, and we'll see how that plays out for him. So on Zanbar, one of the first things that happens is that Maul is granted the Darksaber, which I thought that was really cool. And th there's another showing of this legendary saber in Star Wars, and now it's given to Darth Maul. Now he's pretty much the acting commander of the Mandalorians, at least those who recognize him. I think it's also kind of the thing, so obviously last time we saw him, he had beaten uh, Vizsla and gotten the Darksaber and all yeah. that. But to see them return it to him shows the yeah. the esteem they hold him in for the go, all right, well, here's your dark your Darksaber again. You know, yeah. you're our leader kind of thing. That's a really good point because I guess they didn't see him get defeated by Sidious. So they don't know that he lost in combat. But that is a really good point how they could have given it to anyone, but they give it back to Maul. Like they're committed to him, which that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. And the next scene that happens is this really awesome battle between Maul and his super commandos and Grievous and his droid army. And... It was really cool to me to see how Grievous noted the skill of the Mandalorians, saying that even with deploying all of their troops in battle, the odds were still stacked against them. I was like, that says a lot. Coming from Grievous, too. You know, he doesn't dish out compliments or respect like that, but he's acknowledging that, you know, the odds are stacked against us, coming up against not just any kind of clones, we're coming up against Mandalorian warriors. I, I love that. The best part is the, the slight he gives to the clones, because he goes, I believe it's, we are not fighting clones this time. These are Mandalorian warriors. Like, it's not that those knockoff jokes. The store this brand. This is the real deal. <laughs> the knockoff brand uh, Django's. No, these are, this is the real thing. And it was a fantastic battle sequence, and 
one of the opening scenes for Maul here is when he's just doing this spinning jump into the middle of the battle and landing in a crowd of droids and using the force to kind of like repulse them away from him. I love, like, this comic has a lot of great depictions and illustrations and all that. Moments like these are just so cool. They're beautifully drawn and just so cool to read and to see. As beautiful as it is, iconic, like I've told you before, this is one of the few arcs I wish they would have would have gotten mm. made in the last season because it's as beautiful as the comic is, I can't imagine imagine it looking the same way kind of Siege of Mandalore does. That oh, would be... That would be so good. I need that. <laughs> I know that they've said that they're planning to revisit arcs that never made it into the kind of like the main storyline with like the likes of Son of Dathomir and Dark Disciple. That Those would be just awesome side quest stories to see. And this is very central to Maul's character, as we're going to see. So that would be so cool, especially with the animation that they had for the final season. Just beautiful. But even this is not disappointing whatsoever. And Grievous sends his Magnagars in to fight Maul, and Maul's taken all of them at once, which I thought was just so cool. And this reminded me of... The rumors that appeared, I think, a little while ago, where there was a cut scene from Revenge of the Sith where Obi-Wan was supposed to fight all of the Magna Guards when he arrived at Utapau, but that never made it, I think. But this was a great scene to see just Maul taking all of these Magna Guards on at once. And it's a, it's an intense fight, and he he's kicking ass. He's kicking ass. No, it's funny you mentioned Obi-Wan because it's kind of interesting when it comes to him and Maul. There are a lot of things that are almost mirrored, so to speak. Like, the just constant heartbreak those two endure. Oof, yeah. But also the idea <laughs> of a scene of them both fighting off Magnagor is, you know, iconic either way. It's pretty cool. They've, they're connected on so many levels, you know, even if they don't know it. <laughs> and, you know, we see Grievous join the fray here, and one of the super commandos is asking if he's too afraid to fight. They're calling him a coward, I think. And we get this awesome couple of panels where Grievous is dashing towards him, avoiding blaster bolts. You know, in each panel, he's like closer and closer and closer, and then he ends up stabbing him through. And that was just, for everyone who needs more reason why Grievous is a force to be reckoned with, this is just a good sequence from him. He's pretty bad. I would say he also has a pretty good showing in this comic, you know? He also has his moments where he gets to just truly be that behemoth warrior we know him to be. You know, there's a lot of times he kind of gets slated with comedic value and things like that. Yeah. But I think, at least in this comic, he gets to be formidable. He is... A monster, so to speak. I would totally agree with that. I know he gets a lot of flack for losing to some Padawans in the Clone Wars uh, show. And yeah, comedic relief at times. But you're totally right. We get to see his just his full capability. It's just why he's considered to be this fearsome droid commander. And ultimately, his forces do overwhelm Maul and what's left of the super commandos. And he notes to Dooku that his own forces were all but destroyed. So, you know, even though they lost, that's a testament to the Mandalorians. They took down pretty much a whole army of droids. You know, it took a full army to rout them, and they put a severe dent in Grievous's forces, which, you know, just a, a good showing for the Mandalorians, even though they're forced to flee for the first of a couple times in, in this comic. You know, this is the, the Mandalorian's uh, selling point here, you know. <laughs> we, we lost, but we didn't really lose kind of thing. You know, we retreated, but hey, their army's still done as well. There were some good punches that were traded, so this next scene, this next act of the comic leaves us on Ord Mantel with Maul's fleet, and he's able to contact Mother Talzin through some sort of magic where 
he becomes pretty much like a vessel for her that she's able to appear to him like from kind of appears from inside him and like is floating you know in front of him so it seemed like he's some kind of vessel for you know the remnant of her soul kind of what what did you take from that i thought it was a very interestingly depicted i was kind of confused as to you know how much of that is is legit or if this is kind of maul seeing something you know, seeing a, a vision of her if she's actually manifesting from within him in front of so, it so like looking at the actual panel it almost looks like it her spirit erupts from his chest almost like like an alien chest <laughs> yeah. burster kind of thing i know i didn't want to say it but, <laughs> but, but yeah, someone had to. i guess it comes down to as sidious will call it later night sister magics and it's i Something to do with that, that's all I can really say. I, I guess Maul serves as some sort of vessel to a degree. Obviously, she's not like in control of him, but For she sure. exists what's left of her inside him in some form. Because I think if she played a role in, in giving him his legs or whatever, yeah. right? If those are kind of like the product of some kind of Night Sister magic that, you know, maybe in that way, there's always kind of like a part of her that's within him, maybe. Yeah, I thought it was it was very curious and just, you know, she's very powerful to just appear right there uh, from within his chest, right? And so she tells Maul that she is aware of Sidious's cunning and she's telling him to go to Ord Mantell to rendezvous with the Black Sun and, and the crime syndicates to gather their forces and that she would also send some help from Dathomir. So that was cool to see what she was going to send to aid him in his fight because they know that they're going to be followed by Grievous and by Dooku and they're going to prepare for a fight. I think this is also the, the, the first instance we get the idea that Mother Talzin is somewhat of a long-term planner like Sidious. The first, yeah, the first kind of yeah. that they're playing their own chess game and everybody else is just a pawn, a piece to be played to really see how this is going to work out in the end. That's really good, you know, and it's it's true because, you know, we see here how Talzin is able to see kind of like the zoomed out picture of what's happening. She knows what Sidious is trying to do and she actually tricks Dooku and, and Grievous in sending a shuttle from Dathomir to help Maul because Dooku and Grievous, they learn that there's the shuttle that left and they think that this is Talzin leaving to join Maul. And so they kind of take the bait. But who ends up being on the shuttle is a group of Knight Brothers from Dathomir. So smart from Talzin where she knows that they are trying to lure her. But she's not falling for that bait. And, and you're right, this is playing out to be this grand chess game between herself and Sidious, which, you know, if there's any two players that need to play that game, this is, uh, it's, it says a lot about Talzin. Uh, I think I'll say that a couple times where she is very brilliant here and a legitimate threat to Sidious. And you know, as, as we'll talk about how this unfolds on Ord Mantell, it kind of works in a way. So Maul commands his forces where to set up their defenses. The Knight Brothers, he sends to the command center there, and he leaves into space uh, with the Gauntlet fighters to surprise attack. Grievous's fleet while they're distracted with their orbital assault on the planet. And there's this awesome scene where Dooku shows up to the command center because he thinks that's where Maul is going to be. If he's on Ord Mantell with his forces, he's going to be in the command center. And instead, he's greeted by the Knight Brothers. And he comments how he was expecting Talzin to be there. And, and they say that, quote, we have come to deal with you in her place. To which Dooku responds brilliantly as he draws his saber and he says, quote, you will find that task beyond your abilities, Knight Brothers. 
And that's just so good. There's so many good one-liners here in this comic. And this is this is like one of the first of them here. The Sith Lords, they all they all get their chance to just deliver these iconic one-liners in this comic. And they're just so well said <laughs> and just pure roasts of whoever it is they're facing to. Exactly. <laughs> and he proceeds to fight all of them. Uh, and we see just how formidable Dooku is. We know that he specializes in kind of, you know, saber-to-saber combat. And we just see him absolutely picking apart the Knight Brothers here. I think he cuts off one of their arms and he just shoots the rest of them with Sith lightning. So we're seeing Dooku in kind of just like full action here where I love how the Clone Wars as a whole expanded on his character and just moments like these where we see how good of a fighter he is too. It's really impressive. They sell Dooku as this great duelist, you know, his... At least, I think it's, I can't remember, I don't think it's canon anymore, anymore, but in Legends it was he had a curved hilt because it's better for dueling against other lightsabers. So it's also great to finally, you know, you get to really see it, him handle quite a few combatants because most of the time it's, you see him versus Anakin and him versus Anakin and one which is impressive, for obviously, sure. I mean. But to see him face, what, like 10, 12 Knight Brothers at once is, it's a showcase. Exactly. It really is. Like, I think we, you know, we got that scene in the Clone Wars show where I think there were uh, Asajj, Ventress, and uh, a few Knight sisters that were taking him on. Well, I think they blinded him or whatever, and he was able to fight the group of them. But this is, I think, a larger group of Knight brothers. Maybe he's just picking them apart pretty handily. And so Maul is able to surprise Grievous's forces because, you know, the gauntlets appear out of orbit and just start this surprise attack on Grievous's fleet. And Maul is able to board Grievous's ship and capture him. And they deactivate the droid army that's been invading on the ground because Maul's forces, again, were starting to be overwhelmed. And then they're able to shut down the army. And Dooku is about to kill the Knight Brother leader. I think Brother Viscus was his name before Gar Saxon and the rest of his men show up and they surround and capture Dooku. Who would have thought, you know, after their defeat on, uh, what was it, Xanbar? Was that the other, the previous? Yeah, Xanbar, the, defeat, the swamp moon of yeah, Xanbar. The, after their defeat on the swamp moon of Xanbar, they just get a good two-for-one deal and capture both Grievous and Dooku. So a, a good win for Maul and his forces, a good moment of tactical brilliance where he knows they think he'll be on the ground with his men, but he actually surprised them and was able to capture Grievous, and then Dooku. I think this goes back to how the Mandalorians see Maul. So it's because they, you know, as their leader, you know, Mandalorians are going to respect someone who's obviously good in a fight, who's a good tactician. So for him to outsmart both Dooku and Grievous in this situation and come out on top is impressive and also shows again why he's the one wielding the Darksaber. Exactly. He makes a good case for holding the, the Darksaber in this in this comic. A good few moments of tactical brilliance from Maul. And I think maybe sometimes that gets overshadowed when we think about Maul. We think about his hatred. and We know he's cunning, but to see that actually play out where he's outsmarting the likes of Dooku and the, the likes of Grievous with all their tactical droids and, and all that, it's, it's a good look. So well done to Maul and they, yeah, they capture Dooku and Grievous. So in this next kind of transition scene, we're taken to Mace Windu. I think he and a group of Jedi, uh, Obi-Wan, Aayla Secura, Windu, and then there's this Jedi Master, Tipley. They're together in a, in a Republic fleet, and Palpatine is informing Windu that Maul and Dooku had this battle on Ord Mantell. And so Windu, Obi-Wan, and co. arrive to the scene, 
and it's I think it's pretty much deserted then, the remnants of the battle, uh, Maul and his forces left. And they find a Mandalorian helmet there, and they're able to piece together that the Mandalorian forces are still fighting for Maul. So they know that you know, he's not working alone now. He's He's got a formidable group of fighters with him. And there's this, this scene where they're deciding to pinpoint his location. They know that there's a Mandalorian outpost in the system, and that's where they head. So we're taken to the supply outpost, the Mandalorian supply outpost, and Maul is contacting Sidious uh, to gloat <laughs> about having captured <laughs> Dooku and Grievous. And Sidious says, quote, kill them. I have no more use for either one of them. And I was like, Dooku and Grievous are right there. They can hear you, man. <laughs> like, just know you guys are just pawns. If you haven't figured it out yet, just kill them, whatever. I don't need them. Do you think they knew that Sidious was kind of just toying with Maul here to gauge the situation with Maul? Or do you think they thought he was serious? I mean, after getting defeated like that, and you're someone's prisoner to hear your master saying, oh yeah, by the way, just kill him. I don't need them. I was like, that's, that's harsh, man. Well, I think for Dooku, it, it, it's a hard sell to say that Dooku, he should take him seriously here because obviously in episode three, he literally has him exactly. killed in front of him. <laughs> but, I, you know, I have to assume they think he's serious because Sadius isn't one, he's not really like a bargainer, so to speak. So he's not going to be trying to just play around like i know you're not gonna kill my guys i think full on he is serious to do it but they don't, they don't matter to me like, my plan will still go well, no matter what happens to them kind of thing which you know maybe is a, a good play from sidious where you know even with these two key pieces in his army his schemes he's gonna be fine without them or so he's trying to give the impression and maul sends grievous to a cell and keeps dooku on the bridge with him to talk and grievous hits dooku with <laughs> This quote when he leaves, quote, it would be unfortunate if the next time we met Count, I had to add your lightsaber to my collection. I was like, is that is that Grievous threatening him or speculating if Maul ends up killing Dooku there? It's just, that was a really interesting and funny comment. Well, with that last moment, you said, I like to imagine that if he did kill Dooku there on the bridge, that Grievous just kind of walks up. Takes the lightsaber and leaves like, well, uh, he's not going to need this, so I might as well add it to my collection. He's just, he's just there to collect the sabers. That's all he wants, you know? It's, just that's, he, it's, it's what he's after. It's his dream. You know, Maul probably has, you know, collecting Funkos. Dooku probably collects some Black Series figures. And <laughs> Grievous is there for the lightsabers, you know? It's just to each their own collection, I think. <laughs> you know, it's fair. I mean, each lightsaber is unique, so why not just collect all of them? Even if it's your your master, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so this next scene, we're taken to the Republic fleet on the way to Ord Mantell, and there's this uh, the sad moment from Kenobi where Master Tipley is approaching him, and I guess they have nerves for what's about to happen. And Kenobi's saying that although Maul got the better of him the last time they encountered, where he killed Duchess Satine, that he would not fail Master Tipley or the mission this time, and. We'll end up seeing um, yeah, some more suffering on the way for Obi-Wan. <laughs> when you, you know, obviously, when you read through and actually reach that point, it's almost ironic the way he says it. Like, I won't fail this mission or you. And, you know, when we it's get like, there, oh, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh. That had to be thrown in there just for what's about to happen. <laughs> but, you know, it's that same coin kind of thing. Opposite sides of Maul and Kenobi, you know. One of them has to suffer, or both, you know. It just kind of goes or either both, way. Yeah. Yeah. Really, it's just this, this you know, who can suffer the most. It's a terrible game. 
And so we're back at the supply outpost. Maul is offering Dooku the chance to join him against Sidious, saying that Sidious fears Talzin and her power, and that with their combined power, with the combined forces of Maul and Dooku, that they can defeat Sidious. And Talzin appears from Maul again, from erupts from his chest again and confronts <laughs> Dooku. And there's this really fascinating scene where she is actually telling Dooku what's up. She's telling him that Sidious has already planned to replace him, which I don't know how she could know that, but you know, I don't know what the extent of her magics is. And I thought this was really reminiscent of that scene on Geonosis and Attack of the Clones where Dooku is telling Kenobi to his face, hey, there's a Sith Lord who is controlling the Republic. And here, Talzin is telling Sidious's plan to Dooku. And he, you know, he doesn't seem to believe it. I just thought that was a good, like a little parallel there where Dooku, just as he told Kenobi the grand plan that was going on, Talzin is telling Dooku right there what is actually happening. I just, I love that little connection there. I didn't even really go to the idea of how similar that is, but you're right. It is almost the same exact scene. Someone is captured and the other person is literally saying like, hey, this is what is happening or what will happen. I'm probably your best chance of getting out of this kind of thing. And obviously, you know, we see how both go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in fairness to Dooku, this is probably what any captor would be telling him, trying to offer him the way out or trying to bait him with that. So I can see why both Obi-Wan wouldn't believe Dooku and why Dooku wouldn't believe Talzin. You're literally hearing from your enemy something that they probably want you to hear. But we know as the readers, this is legit. <laughs> and you're just, this, is, this is your way. But he doesn't take it. And we find out here that... Talzin refers to Maul as her son, and we find out, I don't know if this is the first time that we found this out, that we learned this, but we read that Sidious had come to Dathomir, told Talzin that he would take her under his wing, but instead he saw Maul and his potential and took him from Talzin, and then he ended up leaving him for dead, obviously, at the end of The Phantom Menace. Did we know that Maul was her son before? I know that we saw that she helped him, you know, kind of restore his, his legs or whatnot. I, I don't know if we knew that he was actually her, her son. I don't think we explicitly told that. I think it's only, until this point, it's a lot of inference into is that it, that being the case. Like you said, For you sure. know, the only time we really see that kind of connection is when he goes back and she helps him with his legs. But this is the first instance it's directly told that this is her son. And I kind of saw it, you know, with Sidious taking Maul. It was kind of, the birth of Darth Maul was pretty much in betrayal and revenge, which is interesting because that's a lot of his characters focused on revenge and all his betrayals and everything that yeah. that encompasses. Even from the start of his life, like he was involved in the themes of betrayal and, and backstabbing and, and revenge here. You know, Talzin is trying to get her revenge on Sidious uh, for taking her son from her after promising that she would be the one to kind of like trade knowledge on their powers or be taken under his wing didn't end up being the case. So trying to, you know, trying to get one back up on Sidious after he took her family, um, which I thought was very interesting, a very cool reveal here. And this next scene in the comic is the Republic attack. They reach the outpost and they begin their attack. They know that Maul is there and they're trying to get to him. And Maul is told that there are incoming ships and, you know, he is offering Dooku to join 
him in, in fighting the Republic when they arrive. And we see this little panel where Dooku uses the Force to press a button on a nearby keyboard to unlock Grievous's cell. I thought that was very interesting because how did he know which button unlocked that specific cell? He didn't know which cell Grievous was being taken to. And what are the odds that the big red button in front of him unlocked Grievous's cell? I thought that was just very oddly specific. And I just, did he, how did he know? Yeah, it's it's weird that he's just, uh, I mean, that one, I guess, uh, it looks like it'll turn red. So maybe... Of course, the big red button would unlock that specific <laughs> cell. I just was like, how? Also, Grievous for a moment gets his own hallway scene, as we have had our many discussions of iconic hallway scenes. <laughs> oh yeah, he gets he gets added to the mix. There I actually did not consider that as being you know because we got Vader, we got Maul in the Siege of Mandalore, and we'll get to this scene here. You are absolutely correct because that is the next scene where the cell is unlocked and Grievous just tears through every Mandalorian in his path in the hallway. They don't stand a chance. He doesn't have his lightsabers. He's just using his... I don't, I don't think that he has his lightsabers. No, no, he doesn't have his lightsabers. He's just using his uh, his claws. And... Yeah, he's just using his claws and just tearing through their armor. It's a pretty gruesome scene, too. Like, we don't see a lot of blood in Star Wars, but there's some scenes where, you know, his claws are bloody after attacking the Mandalorians, and it's a very gruesome scene where he's just taken down everyone in his path without a weapon you know doesn't need to use the force he just he is just this metal monstrosity that is just there no chance for him it's what claw rush feels like in battlefront 2 honestly (laughs) (laughs) this is the comic embodiment of that (laughs) it was a great little scene for for him and just another reminder of just how fearsome he is it's just a matter of fact uh and he finds an escape pod and he jettisons out. You know, it's, <laughs> the, the theme of cowardice or so <laughs> continues for him as well. He, of course, he finds an escape pod and leaves, but that is how he ends up escaping. Uh, it's, it's also it's kind of random pod. how he finds it, too, because he's fighting through them and it's just like, oh, uh, escape pod. I, I mean, I, I might as well. <laughs> can't say no it's like dooku with the with the button like just oh i guess i'll just press this and grievous is like oh there's some escape pods might as well <laughs> and so maul frees dooku and dooku agrees to help him fight the boarding jedi and dooku enters the fray with another great one-liner um, where tipley master tipley is saying that they better reach the command center, and then Dooku enters the room on, quote, or better yet, let us come to you, as he draws his saber. <laughs> it's just like, he is nailing, <laughs> he's like entering on the right line, just he's nailing these. Yeah, I wonder if he's got like, you know, a little notes app that he's just writing them down, just like, all right, you know, just has all these different quotes ready to go. For any different, like, any different potential seed or situation, he's got something ready at all times. You know, he is nobility. He's got the fancy cape. You have to imagine that maybe he did some theater back in the day. He's just <laughs> prepared, you know, for these for these dramatic entries, these dramatic moments. And it ends up being a great scene for Dooku at the expense of the Jedi. And so Windu and Ayla Sakura show up and they start to engage Kenobi Tipley, Sakura, and Windu start to engage Dooku and Maul. And Maul shoots Force Lightning at Kenobi and Tipley. Whoa, hold the break, Past Andrew. Hey, listeners, this is Editing Andrew. I think what Past Andrew meant to say was that it was Count Dooku here who shot the Force Lightning at Kenobi and Tipley, because think about it. 
in all of the Star Wars content that we've seen. And we've seen Darth Maul do some crazy awesome things, especially in the Siege of Mandalore arc. We've never seen him use Force Lightning. So I think what happened here is that past Andrew, he was on the Maul hype train. You know, this episode really built up the hype around Darth Maul for him. And he was just in over his head. So I'm really sorry about past Andrew's transgressions here. It was Count Dooku who shot the Force Lightning at the two Jedi. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's get back to the show. And while they're distracted by trying to block it, he force pulls Master Tipley to him and stabs through her while saying quote come here little jedi i have something to show you and just stabs her right there just like oh this is so duke <laughs> another one-liner this crushing dis display of his combat prowess and then obviously you have kenobi who is just once again destroyed after promising not to fail someone he did <laughs> I think it's also a little testament to how powerful in the Force Dooku is because, you know, when Jedi and Sith or, or Force users are, are fighting, just as much as it's a physical battle with their sabers, it's also a Force battle where they, you know, are trying to breach the other's connection to the Force, uh, so to speak, in that moment. And so how he's able to break through Master Tipley's Force shield, uh, you know, so to speak. I don't know if that's like a, a legitimate term for it, and and use the force to to pull her to distract her just enough to be able to get her into the position to kill her. I thought it was a testament to his force ability. Again, well, it's kind of that age-old discussion. You know, a lot of people, especially people who don't really watch Star Wars much on the outside, go, "Well, if they have the force, why don't they just turn off someone else's lightsaber?" Kind of thing. Well, like you said, there's a sort of, sort of force shield kind of thing. You know, I'm, like I said, it's not these aren't actual terms, I don't think. But you know, it's him breaking her, like you said, to pull her in and well finish the job. Exactly, and you know, we we saw I think a similar scene in Revenge of the Sith where he's able to kind of break through Obi Wan's. Uh, I don't I don't like using force shield. I don't know if there's another term for it. Listeners are probably <laughs> screaming into their phones or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm just going to call it that. I'm just he he breaks through Obi-Wan's force shield and is able to incapacitate him in Revenge of the Sith. We see this here as well. So he is very powerful with the force. So it's like these are Jedi masters he's up against and he's still able to have one up on them. Well, and you can go back to Attack of the Clones where he goes hand in hand with Yoda using the force. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> Which is obviously an incredible feat for anyone. Yeah, I know. Yoda's like the most powerful Force user in the Jedi Order, and Dooku's able to be up there with him, which is, you know, it's a great, great showing. And so we see Rook cast fire a rocket at the dueling Jedi, and they're knocked down, and Maul and Dooku are able to escape while, while the Jedi are incapacitated. And just the panel where Kenobi sees Tipley getting killed by Dooku is just i'm getting chills right now it's, it's just gut-wrenching it is heartbreaking to see we see tears in his eyes just anguish just total anguish on his face he just never can catch a break it's so sad no it, it's also just, just to say that was impressive because those are the exact two words i was going to use <laughs> gut-wrenching and heartbroken but yeah like you said it's just it's like oh, it's Obi Wan's way. He's constantly stuck in that cycle of just heartbreak and disappointment, and just you wonder how he keeps going. I guess it's the exactly. same thing from all. You know, they're both just suffering over and over and over, and they continue to keep going no matter what. It's somehow it's a testament of their wills. I don't. 
Yeah, this I don't true. know how. He has to. I mean, the only way he can move is forward. It's just there's so many stumbling blocks in the way, and he's just, I don't know how close he was to Tipley, but just another master in the Jedi Order. You know, they're, they're a close-knit group, and just to see them after he vowed to not fail her or the mission, they fail the mission, and Tipley dies. Uh, so it's just a, not a good day to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I hate to say it, but after the fight, Palpatine contacts Mace Windu, who just came to after being knocked down from the rocket blast. And Mace is telling Palpatine that he saw Maul and Dooku working together. And he tells Palpatine that this may be the answer that they're looking for, that Dooku is the Sith Lord they were looking for, and Maul is his apprentice. To which Palpatine responds, fascinating. <laughs> which is just pure gold. He's just, we see, like, the panel cuts to him saying that. He's just, like, the smirk on his face. We're just like, oh, fascinating. <laughs> this is just one of those moves where... He really cements himself as this long-term planner, this great schemer, is that he is able to kind of, he pushes them, I think at the very beginning of the issue, he kind of is like, oh, Maul and who? well, what's up with that? They're both Sith Lords kind of thing. And then at the end where it yeah. cements itself for like, this is the two Sith we've been looking for. It finally is clear. And he's just like, wow, wow, I'm good at this game. Wow, that's really, <laughs> that's a really astute observation, Mace. You know, tell me more. <laughs> You really figured it out. Oh, wow. Look at, look at you. You got it. <laughs> it's just, which it's so clever because, you know, the way that he is orchestrated, you know, letting Maul go and, and letting him think that he's in control of these moments and it's just playing out in a way where now as a reader, we're just like, no, no, this isn't, the, this isn't true. This is not it. But it's exactly what Sidious wants the Jedi to think. And yet again, we're seeing how he's able to kind of, conceal his true identity from the Jedi where they're just totally looking in the wrong direction thanks to his brilliance it's it's just so he's just so good at playing this long-term game like you're saying and it's just uh we know the truth but we're just seeing how he's deceiving the Jedi and he's not even being active in it he's just kind of kind of like pulling the strings from afar and just letting things play out he kind of just sets the pieces, and then it just kind of falls into place. I mean, it, it, that's his long-term planning. He kind of has an idea of what the different players are going to do. So as long as he puts them in their place, it'll end up funneling into what he wants. Exactly. That's uh, I had that written down, where he's just kind of like manipulating the Jedi's reality to be exactly what he wants it to be for them. They don't know, but it's just the shroud that he's putting over them. And you're right, he's just he's setting the pieces letting it play exactly how he guesses or knows or I guess knows how things are going to play out in his favor. And this next scene takes us to Maul's ship and he's communicating with a couple of syndicate leaders who are, they're frustrated at his losses. You know, he's, they're commenting that this is turning into his own personal crusade and which is, this is the most that any of them have seen Maul for who he truly is. And I thought that was really fascinating where piece by piece, step by step, this wall that he's putting up to show himself as this powerful figure who can lead them to victory and, and give them massive profits. It's, it's slowly crumbling and they're, they're starting to see between the cracks as to what he's really on about or that he is not their answer. Yeah, you know, Maul, so for his character and where it's come from is even with, you know, as I've said, he's one of my favorite characters, a lot of his movements are usually end up in failure. I mean... Phantom Menace, taking a savage with his apprentice, yeah. 
right now holding on to the Mandalorians is kind of his only real victory kind of thing. The Black Sykes are both pushing to kind of break apart the Shadow Collective at this moment. It's really starting to shatter. So like you said, you're really starting to see Maul for what he is and less of what he projects himself as. Yeah. So kind of like this last act of the comic, we are on Dathomir, which is cool to be back. It's such a such a creepy planet, man. <laughs> such a powerful place for the force i guess for magics and, and things dark side magics of yeah. that sort so it's it's cool that we're there and, and and maul and the knight brothers take dooku to this shrine i i think it is where mother talzin's power is at the strongest whatever's left of her this power this remaining power is the strongest and we see this really brilliantly depicted scene where talzin's energy sort of possesses dooku sort of drawing from his life force and they're trying to resurrect her which i just i love these moments where we're seeing kind of like the sci-fi fantasy element of it where it's these deep moments of things that we haven't seen maybe so much in the movies or 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 whatnot where it's you know these concepts of magics and the and the force that kind of transcend anything that we'd come to expect and she's literally possessing him and, and trying to resurrect her form to come back and taking away Dooku's life force. I thought it was a really cool scene. I, I absolutely love any time we get to explore the force in a more, I guess, magical, I guess sci-fi is the right way to say it too, kind of way. Like, I, I've told you before that KOTOR, Sith Lord, the sequel, is probably my favorite game yeah. <laughs> because of that, because you go into so many different mysteries of the force. So to get to see this sort of magic side where it's drawing from Dooku's life force to bring Mulatalzin back to a physical form is something really interesting. Mm. It's like not even Sidious was able to do that, where the body that we saw in Rise of Skywalker, that was like a, that was a clone of him. You know, even he wasn't able to save his physical form. He just, he managed to keep his essence alive. But this is Mother Talzin keeping her essence alive and, and bringing back her form. Yeah, so just coming back fully. <laughs> she is so powerful. And Impressive. We'll, we'll see that on, on display in, what, in the events that unfold. And meanwhile, Grievous and Sidious are arriving to Dathomir in a Sith interceptor ship, which I thought was pretty cool to see again. Uh, you know, it's it's the Darth Maul's type ship, the same class of ship, and I thought that was really cool to see them just like roll up in that. It's it's a really one of my favorite designs for a ship in Star Wars, I think. Well, it's kind of like it's like a an evil version of the Jedi Starfighter in Episode Three or in later oh. Clone Wars. If you look at it, kind of, it, they're very you're similar right, in the design. Right. Obviously, the Sith interceptors are a lot bigger. So Grievous escapes in the escape pod. Did did he go pick up Sidious from Coruscant? <laughs> Did Sidious find him? Like, how did they get together here to go to Dathomir? Did he catch an Uber and they just met at the same place? Like, hey, let's meet up on, you know, Onderon or whatever. And <laughs> I got a ship there. We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how did that? I need a separate comic of how maybe there's this whole adventure that Grievous went on to meet up, meet back up in City. <laughs> and then I always wonder how Palpatine leaves from Coruscant. Like, he's like, I'm going on a vacation. I'll be back in a couple of days kind of thing. Because, I mean this him going to mandalore to get maul the first exactly. first time like it's interesting how he's able to just come and go like that without any sort of question i mean I, obviously i know he's in control of everything but it's still weird yeah. that not even the jedi are like where's uh, 
where's Palpatine? What, on exactly. vacation this weekend? Or he's taking a lot of trips to the golf course. <laughs> uh, that's true, though. He's just able to. Oh, God, I just I forgot something at my apartment. I'm just gonna head over there. For, I'm I'm meeting a friend for a, a drink, <laughs> and this is like gone for a few days. Just, okay. Um, how how does he pull this off? Who's asking the questions? Why is no one asking the right questions? <laughs> um, so they show up to the party. They kind of interrupt the party of Dooku's life force being drained to resurrect Talzin. And a hole is blown through the wall. And Grievous and Sidious show up. Where off air we had talked about the line that Sidious entered on. Do you want to read that? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I think Grievous has a nice entrance when he says... Oh, that's true, that's true. Blood is about to be spilled, all right, kind of thing. But yeah, then Palpatine says, which is, I think, a testament to him in this comic and how great of a player of the game he is. There is only one plan, one great design, which shall govern the universe. Mine. And it's just, wow. I mean, he's, It's so good. <laughs> this is his character, but it's like, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it looks that way. I mean, you're playing everybody in this game, so he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not, I can't show him the lie if there is none yet. <laughs> It's like I think you had mentioned it before. It's just a great comic for Sith Lords and Grievous with their one-liners. <laughs> it's just they've got it figured out, <laughs> and you know here we go. You know I think simultaneously Separatist forces are showing up to the various syndicates and engaging them, and so there's a lot of chaos that's ensuing. And we get the scene while the Separatist forces are engaging the syndicates where the leaders of these crime syndicates end up backing out from Maul. When they start to have their losses soar, they kind of give up on Maul. And so we're seeing how, in the end, he just did have the Mandalorian super commandos on his side. And we're seeing how the crime syndicates ended up kind of losing faith for the last time in him. And so, yeah, the last fight, where it's Maul and Dooku, who is possessed by Talzin's life force, versus Sidious and Grievous. It's a pretty good matchup on paper, right? <laughs> Oh, I mean, honestly, you know, if you wanted to create your own, like, you know, a Battlefront 2 has Hero Showdown, which is obviously Hero vs. Villain, but if you wanted to have your own, just straight up only Villain Showdown, this is a pretty good exactly. one. I mean, <laughs> the, the seeds are looking good. There's, there's some good contestants here today. And we see Sidious and Juku slash Talzin engage, and Sidious comments that while she may have possessed his body, she doesn't possess any of his skill, which is pretty great from Sidious, and he is able to strike Dooku, Dooku Talzin, Talzin Dooku, or Tuku, Tuku, or, or Talzu, 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 I like Talzu, right, we'll Talzu, <laughs> he's able to, <laughs> oh, he's, <laughs> He's able to strike Talzu with four. This is now. This is this is canon for this comic now. This is this is my head canon. <laughs> uh, he's able to strike Talzu with force lightning and, and knocks him down. But Talzin at that point has gained enough energy to rise again in her full form. And I love this moment because Maul and Grievous they're fighting on the side and they just stop and just look over and let's see what's happening. And they just pause and look like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> they're, they're both just like Whoa. waiting to see what's happening here, which I thought was cool where, you know, it's just a very comical moment where they're in the fight for their lives, but then they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> I think that's the moment they both realized that, oh, we're out of, we're way out of that league. <laughs> Whatever's going on over there is not, 
We are not anywhere near that. Uh, but then Maul has this great moment where he force pushes Grievous out of the hole in the wall that he entered through. And, and Maul has this great line where he just says, quote, good riddance, mechanical trash. <laughs> Maul said he had to get in on the one-liners. It's, uh, it's not fair if he can't get in. They've been having too much fun. He's he, he's got to get in on that, and he did. I love that so much. There's just some little sprinkles of just comedy in here that I, I thought were really great and very fitting. It doesn't take us out of the story in any way. It's they're just very solid one-liners, and it's just, it's so good. I think Star Wars is very much a kind of a place where one-liners are very much acceptable. I mean, everyone's fighting essentially with. If we're going to be really laser swords in magic. <laughs> so it's not out of place for someone to hit you with a one-liner after exactly. they beat you, or even in the entrance, you know? Exactly. Just They've captured the theatrics of it, too, with with all the, the sci-fi and the fantasy. <laughs> and so we see Sidious and Talzin now. They're locked in this stalemate of, of her magic lightning and his force lightning, kind of very similar to, like, Harry Potter and Voldemort's spells clashing. I, I kind of got those similar vibes. Where Maul offers his force strength to Talzin and Dooku gets up and uses his lightning with Sidious so it's this really just climactic moment where Talzin and Maul their energy versus the power of Dooku and Sidious and a gauntlet fighter approaches and the super commandos are trying to yell to Maul that the fight is lost we gotta leave we have to get out of here and Talzin pushes Maul back with her power she just pushes him back to the ship to save her son while she is gonna sacrifice herself and Maul is he doesn't like it you know he's determined to be there with her and we see kind of this moment of suffering again for Maul where his mother has resurrected again and she has very much been this guiding force for him helping him to return to you know in a way to come back to life or maybe a life that is workable for him and he's seeing her sacrificing herself for him it's it's not you know suffering for maul suffering for kenobi beforehand it's uh, the story of suffering doesn't end for for them both this like you said it's a lot of it's suffering it's well heartbreaking for maul to first off he brings his mother back only for her to be taken away almost immediately and almost immediately you're right and then you kind of understand like when we see maul again in rebels why he is in that state he's in like specifically on Tatooine when he's just a broken man. And you kind of get, yeah. after so much suffering and defeat and failed revenge plots and betrayals, that he is just that, just reduced to what he is there, going after the only one thing he ever really wanted, which was revenge on Obi-Wan. <laughs> We'd spoken once about how once everything was stripped away from Maul, that, that is all he had left. That's what kept him alive? in the first place, his hatred for Kenobi, and after losing Savage, after losing his power with the syndicates, after losing the fight at the Siege of Mandalore, after losing to Ahsoka, after her not joining him there, after losing the fight with his super commandos, after losing Ezra and trying to get him to be his apprentice, that is all he had left. And and we see, you're right, how kind of like all the pieces lining up for why he's just this kind of just unhinged, broken shadow of his former self that culminates on Tatooine in the Twin Suns episode. And it's just enlightening to see how many of these pieces were actually into play with how we saw him just kind of lose himself as his story went on. 
I think it's also interesting, you know, not to stay on the twin twin sons too long, but <laughs> Maul is a character who is, like you said earlier, encompassed by revenge and betrayal. But his character actually ends on like a note of hope because he says to Obi Wan, yeah. "He that well essentially that boy will avenge us both," kind of thing. Where as as yeah. much as it is on revenge kind of thing, it's more of a hopeful view on it for him. And Maul is not really a character who's ever really shown a lot of hope in anything. So for yeah. everything to happen to him and to end with him like, oh well, I mean, there's a chance that I'll be avenged. So I mean, I'm all right. This is this is a fine end for me. That's fair, you know, because I guess we wouldn't really have expected a hopeful take on revenge because it is still revenge. You're right. But it's like a, a hopeful take on that. We wouldn't have really expected that from Maul, but you know, I guess in his last moments when everything was lost, maybe he, all he has left is Obi-Wan to hold him as he dies kind of thing. At that point, he's lost to Obi-Wan. There's no more quest for vengeance against Obi-Wan. And I think maybe in that moment, the veil of hatred and revenge was lifted just a bit for him to see the hope in it which that's a great aside. <laughs> that's a great aside. So we're back with Talzin, who is now fending off with her magic. She's fending off Dooku Insidious, and we see that General Grievous silently walks back through the hole, and it's just as there was the really cool set of panels in the battle on Zanbar where he just gets closer and closer and closer. Uh, here, he's just silently, with each panel that he appears in, he's just walking closer and closer to this scene with Talzin and Sidious and he silently just he doesn't say anything he just walks through this blast of magic and lightning and stabs Talzin once and for all and this time just I guess effectively killing her and I I love how that was depicted where it's just with every panel he was in it's just his progression of walking closer to Talzin to finish her and it's, I'm looking at it here. This comic has been beautifully illustrated the whole time. But that scene, this panel where he's just walking through this blast of green energy just silently. And then he says before he kills her, quote, it's time. And just ends her right there. This great for Grievous. Well, also the kind of way he activates his lightsabers right in front of her is kind of, it's reminiscent to me to Anakin in the temple with, the young wings, because at that point, she's mostly just kind of cowering. Obviously, she's still holding up her shield against the Sith Lightning, but she is very much cowering to Grievous at that point, and he activates his lightsabers and just... I put in my notes, it serves as a kill stealer, <laughs> where Insidious and Tuku have done all the, all the work, but hey, you know, he's just playing the object, objective, <laughs> so we can't really hold that against him. They... <laughs> It's like you, you get her down to one health and then just end up with the assist. And just like, Grievous just jumps in there. <laughs> I don't see any dialogue here where they're saying, you stole my kill, but they're probably thinking that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just, you know, and Maul is seeing this happen and he's screaming, no. And, and it's just beautifully illustrated where you see the last of her magics and her energy leaving what's left of her corpse and and the fight is is over. And... That's where it ends. We have this scene of separatist ships flying over the surface of Dathomir and droids are just tearing apart the planet. And we get this great ending quote where Dooku is telling Sidious, you know, I'm sorry that I've, I've failed you. And Sidious says, quote, no count. Everything happened as foreseen. This was a difficult piece to maneuver, but now it is in place. Maul's future has been erased. 
while ours is more certain than it has ever been. And that's that's where it ends. Just chess game one. Everything is set up to a point where the Jedi don't actually know who the real Sith Lords are besides Dooku. Maul is now gone. Gone, so to speak, is not a player in the game. Mother Talzin is gone. And everything is lining up for what we will see in Siege of Mandalore and Episode 3. It's just so fascinating to see that this all culminated, this all branched from Sidious letting Maul live. He let Maul have this perception that he was a big player in the game, right? Maul had this feeling that he is he has power, right? And then at, at the end, the only reason that this was allowed to happen is because Sidious realized that it's actually Talzin, who was the only piece present that allowed Maul to be a legitimate threat. Sidious says Maul's future is erased. He is confident now that there's nothing that he can do to ever become a legitimate threat to him again. And it all ended with Mother Talzin. Her return was brief. And it's just like you're saying, the pieces are being positioned where we can see now how things ended up happening as they did in the following arcs in the Clone Wars and Ren of the Sith and so on. There's also one other one-liner Sidious deals right before that line, and I thought, I was like, wow, okay, wow. And he says, that witch never learned. There are those with power and those who dream of power. And her existence was nothing but a dream. Uh. It's just, <laughs> just killing it. Just roasting, handling people, and he's absolutely right. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's just, oh, man. So good, man. It's just so good. I, I love it. I mean, the only time <laughs> we ever see him lose is when he thinks he understands how a piece will work and the piece happens to turn against him. That's the only time he ever loses. Yeah. He literally has everything figured out. It's just a piece not following the path he assumed they would, and that's it. Yeah, which, I mean, it's a pretty solid track record for Darth Sidious up until up until his, his ultimate end. But yeah, that leaves us to the end of Darth Maul, son of Dathomir. Nigel, what are your thoughts on this, this story as a whole, this set of issues as a whole? Well, to me, th these issues, it's, it's two stories to me. It's Darth Maul's um, last bits of grasp for power and it all falling apart, as well as it's Sidious's masterstroke of a chess game going throughout. The whole issue, the whole comic book, is just one long portion of his long game coming to fruition. Seeing all the pieces move throughout the stories, you know, Dooku switching sides for a brief moment, yeah. Grievous captured, them thinking the Dathomir shuttle is Mother Talzin, to how it ends up with the killing blow, Mother Talzin's gone, Darth Maul's forces are destroyed all he has is the super commandos and what's left of them it's it's a phenomenal phenomenal comic book and a great story like i've said i always wanted it to be animated but if it's, it's fine it's still amazing as is yeah I, I think just as much as this is a great look into maul's story and seeing you know how resilient he is it that's that's just a fact of it the fact of the matter just as much as it's maul's story it's very much Sidious's story as well, and and seeing exactly how things are just playing out how he wanted, and how he has pretty much eliminated Maul from contention, you know, for the power in the galaxy. It's just a, a great story, 
when I read this for the first time, and obviously this came out before the Siege of Mandalore arc, which propelled Maul even higher in my rankings, but this solidified him as just being a, a top quality Star Wars character. You know, even though he suffered a lot of losses in this comic, it, it ended up with him losing the day. It just shows how driven and complex of a character is where you know in the phantom menace he had a few lines a cool duel and now we're seeing just so much depth in the clone wars and this in rebels where there's just so much depth being added to darth maul yeah see that's how i always try to explain to people with uh, why he's probably my favorite character is that when we first meet darth maul he's just that cool guy that has a double lightsaber and that's about it he's a good fighter he only talks like twice but then we reach in the Clone Wars and Rebels, this comic, and you see there's just so much there. There's all the suffering. There's all his, his motivations. There's just there's this character that is more than just cool lightsaber guy as he was in Phantom Menace <laughs> for a four- or five-year-old Nigel running around. <laughs> but it's also weird that my two favorite characters are Darth Maul and Obi-Wan, and it's the amount of suffering those two characters go through. Yeah. I, it's, it's tragic. But, I mean, it's molded two very good characters. It, it, exactly. It makes for a good story and makes for very compelling characters. I didn't know that he was, uh, did you say he's your favorite character in, in all of Star Wars? I would say right now, probably as of, it wasn't fully realized until the Siege of Animal, Darth Maul is my number one character at the moment. You know, I know a lot of people have Maul in their you know, top 10, top 20. For him to be number one, that you know, says a lot about his impact on the Star Wars universe, and I love how much they have added to him and just seeing what he is capable of and ultimately how that does fall short to Sidious's power, but Darth Maul, very fascinating character in this this comic, Son of Dathomir, has really just hammered that home. And you know, who really doesn't fall short to Sidious's power? I mean, you know, that's, that's everybody. <laughs> Most people do. Most people do. <laughs> it took a dyad in the forest to take him down. So. <laughs> For good, yeah. <laughs> Well, Nigel, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this episode to discuss Son of Dathomir. This has been a great, great conversation, great discussion. Are there any closing thoughts you have before we close up the episode? I, I just want to say I've loved it. You know, I love your show. I try to listen as much as possible and stay up, up to date on it. I just want to say you've done a great job. Love the way it's going. I love where it's going. And I just want to say if there's ever a chance for me to do this again, I'd definitely be welcome to it. But I had a lot of fun. This is a great time. And uh, I hope anyone who listened to this who hasn't read the comic really enjoyed us going through it and really takes a chance to read it because it's one of my favorite yes. works of Star Wars. For sure. I mean, thank you, first of all, for you know the kind words about the show. It's honestly a pleasure to have you on, man. And yes, like you're saying, anyone who has not read Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, find a way. <laughs> you know, you can get the, the free seven-day subscription for the Marvel comics and read it. It is such a fascinating story. I hope that you've all enjoyed what we've discussed today. And thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to follow Outer Rim Reads on social media, feel free to give our Twitter account a follow at Outer Rim Read Pod. And try giving us a tweet. What did you think about the Son of Dathomir comic? And you can listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Outer Rim Reads is created by Andrew Geha. It is produced by Andrew Geha. It is edited by Andrew Geha. And we will be back in two weeks with episode 20. So until then, sit back and enjoy. Have a chat with some of the Cantina clientele. If you're looking for some adventure, talk to the guy in the corner. I hear he's looking to put together a